Hello and welcome to the Recruitment Roundup with me, Toby Babb. Today I am delighted to be joined by Rob Grant with Nadia off on a well-deserved holiday. Rob is once again stepping up into the breach. Rob, how are you? Very good, thank you, Toby. How are you? Very good, thanks. Recovered from our adventures out in New York last week where we were out visiting the team out there. Good time out there? Yeah, really good time. Um, again, every time we go out there, the, the team seems to be building, getting better. The opportunities are increasing. So we're on a really good trajectory there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, look, this week has been exciting because we have released to the masses the Financial Technologist magazine. Uh, and I know you've been heavily, heavily involved in the uh, in the survey we put together. I think there's over 200,000 people on our database and uh, we got an enormous response. So thank you very, very much if you are a listener who has replied to that survey and given us a really good insight of, of the thought process that's going into job seekers out there in the marketplace at the moment. There are a number of infographics all littered through the magazine this, this month and lots of de- decent insight into doing it. So, Rob, I wanted to turn to you, and, and, and I know you've poured over this. I know you're a data guy. I know you love all the, this this sort of info that's come through as well. Tell us the sort of information that you've managed to glean from that. It was, uh, and you know, maybe because I am a bit of a data nerd, it was it was genuinely fascinating. I, th- I think it gave a really interesting snapshot of of people's mindset. I think particularly in the environment that we're in at the moment, which, you know, one of the most overused phrases from our side over the last twelve months is it's a generational opportunity for recruiters, but also for candidates moving jobs. And I think a lot of the response that we've got from the survey you know it kind of articulates that you know it, it's not just anecdotal us saying oh it, the market seems good people are making moves people are getting multiple offers there is a lot of movement in the market and so the results that we got really highlighted that um so it, it was fascinating you know we're, we're kind of blown away with the response that we got and got some really good kind of takeaways from that absolutely so talk me talk me through some of the takeaways that I, I i we could be talking through it's a big survey. There's lots of different yeah. parts, moving parts of it. I want to focus on one particular area, which is this, uh, making a career move. And there's, there's there's certain bits that made the cutting room floor of it as well, which I, mm. I think some fascinating insights. So making a career move. I think one of the the, the really interesting bits for me, and I've, I've, I've you know, sort of studied this for a while with um, various Gallup polls and such like, is the amount of people in both the UK and the US who are actively unhappy or removable from their current roles. Tell us a little bit about what you saw from this data. So I think I think this is really interesting because actually the, the two aren't necessarily the same. We found, so our respondents said that 28% were very happy. 28% of people were very happy. We had 55% of people that were content, and I, I don't have the survey up in front of me, but whatever the, the other <laughs> percentage 17%, of that is. 17%. Uh, I'm, I'm there look. looking at it at the moment. <laughs> yeah, and you're, you're better at maths than me. Um, so 17% <laughs> were unhappy. So only 28% of people were very, very happy. That That's, a, I, I think, quite a worrying statistic. Arguably, what's even more interesting is actually 80% of people, whether they were happy, unhappy, or somewhat content, were very likely or somewhat likely to move jobs in the next 12 months. Yeah. So even some of those people that were very happy in their job sense that we are in this opportunistic time where they can get career advantage by looking for another opportunity elsewhere. That, for me, was, was mind-blowing, that... Yeah, and again, one one of the things that wasn't in the survey was was the kind of the tenure that people had, and most people were in that that you know one to two, two to three year mark. 
the vast majority of people have been in their jobs, you know, fewer than three years. Mm. That that's incredible. You know, you, you think about tenure, you think about planning, building your team. I think people have now got to start factoring in that even if they provide the best job for people and the best opportunities, there is going to be a fairly high rate of natural attrition because mm. the the twenty year, twenty five year, you know, you know, servant that has been with you for that that time that gets to go watch, that's unheard of. You know, what our data is showing is that people don't last much longer than three to four years in a job. Um, and I, I think that's a really, really interesting statistic for people that, that they should be aware of and they should plan accordingly. Well, Nadia bangs this drum a lot that I think in technology at the moment, the average tenure is is less than 15 months, which is extraordinary. And it creates some sort of massive cost base uh, issue to, to employers all over the world. And I think if you if you explore that data a little bit further and then go into something that wasn't published in the magazine, but did come out through, through the survey, was what the most important factor was for people to be taking a job. You know, what was the most important factors that they were looking at when they were taking a job? And I think pay came out, if I'm not mistaken, Rob, at 37%. And I think if you look at it alongside that and then say uh, what would make you stay in a job, 49% would say a salary increase. So when we talk about this massive retention epidemic that's going on at the moment, where 80% of your team, four out of every five people in 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 your business, would be uh, open to a move in the next next 12 months. And you think about the cost it usually takes to then put people into it, that ability to benchmark and to move salaries further forward, particularly when we're, to, when, when we're looking at a uh, inflation, cost of living crisis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think you know, whilst there's got to be some sort of sense check to this, and, and as we look at it further down in, in, in the magazine, you'll see a complete salary survey for every position into it. We've seen a significant rise in salaries over the last 12 months. And I don't think that that's something which can can be, you know, have the handbrakes put on it particularly quickly. I think there's probably a few opportunistic managers at the moment looking at tightening markets and, uh, you know, potential threats of recessions, et cetera, et cetera, and, and thinking, right, this is a good time for us to check our, our salaries. If you're looking at 80% of people who will consider a move in the next 12 months, that's a very dangerous game to be playing, isn't it? It is. It is a dangerous game. Um, and unfortunately, there's there's no easy answer. You know, it's not just pay pay your staff what they want, because that's also a very dangerous game and it becomes an unsustainable arms race. Um, so everything, you know, like everything, there's, there's balance and there's nuance. Um, I think the salary survey is a really good kind of indicator of what you should be paying people. If someone comes and says, well, double my money or I'll leave, then, you know, but potentially show, show them the door. It's it's not that binary that you give them what you want. But I think you're right. It's it is still a really big driving factor for people, and I think it's become more important because of the economic pressures that people are under. You know, prices are, are rising. There's huge inflation. Um, cost of living is is spiraling. So people people want the money to be able to live. But it's not as simple as just pay them what they want. Unfortunately, I think you've, you've got to be sensible. You know, if you're a candidate, you, you've got to be realistic as well. You know, whilst we're in a really, whilst we're in a boom time now, what you don't want to see in in three or four years is that you've moved job every eighteen months just for a higher pay. You know, there there has to be some consideration on both sides of the equation. Yeah, I think I think there's a really that's that's a very very significant point. IR thirty five was a very interesting time because it kind of significantly disrupted the contractor marketplace, and what you saw was an, a, a number of uh, career contractors move into permanent uh, jobs. 
And during that, there's a different set of objectives quite often for career contractors who are looking to uh, constantly move that 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 rate up. And they've taken that and moved it into the perm world. So I think there's probably a, if you look at some of the 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 reasoning behind that that shortening of time, it's it's a it's a contractors world and a permanent skin that we're looking at a little bit at the moment and as contracts are coming back to the fore a little bit over the last year or so i think we can probably see a little bit more adjustment of that and we should see traditional permanent behavior coming back but you're right if you look at it from a candidate perspective whilst it seems like a great idea to consistently bounce around and see your salary moving up by uh, a a bigger percentage than if you'd stayed where, where you were that comes with an awful lot of pressure around it as well, because if you're there and you're you're 10% over market rate for a particular job and you've taken it from there, when the market turns, there is a lot of scrutiny on the productivity of every single employee in a business. And when the market turns and you're you're out of out of work and you've had a number of different jobs every couple of years, all of a sudden you're not quite as attractive to the marketplace as possible. And all the money you've earned is suddenly whittled away in a six-month period of not being in, in work. So I think yeah. it's a really, really interesting piece where where responsibility is probably the watchword. Yes, I think it's as, as an employer, you have to be responsible for the retention and engagement of your business. And I think actually when retention uh, comes to it, whilst 49% would stay if they had a salary increase, there's still that element to say that it isn't just money alone that's going to be the thing which keeps people in that job. You have to make sure you're you're looking at retention. I was asked a question on a panel I sat on on Tuesday night. Really interesting panel from Foundervine. And one of the questions from a group of founders was asking about retention, how you got retention as you're a scaling, growing business. And actually, my view has always been on this, that retention isn't about just what you do when people are in the job. Yes, there's some natural things about making sure people have heard, paying them correctly, supporting them, creating the environment, giving them flexibility, all of those sort of things should be a given, right? But the biggest thing that I think wins or loses with regards to succession is recruitment. And if you've got your recruitment process right and you're recruiting people who can move up into that role and you're training them and developing them and giving them the pathway, then recruitment is the is the piece. Because all of a sudden, if you bring a, a toxic person in, they don't only take themselves out, they take two or three other people with them. And I think that recruitment piece is is fundamental to the success of how you bring people in and retain them in your business. And I think a real focus on retention in 2022 and 2023 will be one of the biggest and most important factors in seeing people you know, grow and develop in their, in their companies or their companies grow. I'd agree with that. And, you know, again, one of the things that unfortunately we didn't have have room for in the magazine kind of spoke a little bit about that you know we asked a variety of questions you know how important is the the brand the company flexibility diversity you know equity options share schemes and actually the one that trumped all those was culture you know mm. yeah I'm, you know this is in the same kind of poll that we asked about pay and earnings so pay was still the number one but cult- culture was there or thereabouts you know we spend so much time in the company of the people that we work with um culture has to be a big part and our respondents felt the same way it was far more important to them than flexibility it was far more important to them than you know quote the name of the brand um in fact it was level with the the technology which is phenomenal considering that you know all of our respondents are technologists by trade culture was equally important to them as the technology they used which for me was was a really quite staggering takeaway because you know as, as a you know data geek and a, a person that loves technology i would have expected that to be higher but culture 
you know was, was there or thereabouts with technology do you, know, do you know what this is this is something that's that's um i i think really really interesting and and uh you know i sort of pump this quote out a lot and it's the classic one and it's there's nothing original about it but peter drucker wrote um about culture eating strategy for breakfast and I, I have long, long, long been a proponent of, of the fact that that culture is the critical part of success in any sort of business. And I love studying it. Uh, the next magazine will be about the, the top 1% workplaces. And it's always one of my favorite periods of the year where I get to speak to founders of businesses about what they do to create great cultures in, in their companies. And almost exclusively, the companies that have the uh, uh, the best cultures are the ones who are outlying the marketplace um, and and uh, and flying through with that. So, yeah, I think you could, yeah look, there's a whole lot of things that come together, and I think actually you know having the right technology and the right efficiency and the right support and the right training actually is all part of culture anyway. I think I they all they, they all they all uh, feed into that because culture and yeah you know, is is about uh, having people feel part of something, having people feel happy having people feel that they're playing at their absolute best. Now, in any job, if you're struggling, if you're anxious about your performance, if you don't feel you're good enough at what you're doing, I think that, you know, that that impacts the culture. And then if you're flying and if you're feeling great and if you're being supported and you're, you're developing and you're challenging yourself, that's what creates great culture alongside it as well. Sure. So that that that's, you know, for me, there is no surprise around that, but I think it's actually a little bit more nuanced than saying, right, culture is, is this thing. Culture is a load of different things that come into it. I read yeah. a brilliant book recently by Dan Coyle um, where, he, where he wrote a book called The Culture Code, and this is the follow-up to it called The Culture Playbook. And I just don't think that companies sometimes spend enough thinking, obsessing, looking at, and, 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 and working on what does that tribe look like? Owen Eastwood, Belonging, is another brilliant, brilliant book on this subject. Um, and I think the companies where, where you'll see uber success will be the ones who've really nailed you know, that that whole culture piece completely as well. I think that's a really, really actually interesting point because actually culture is not one thing. Culture is a high-performing culture has best-in-class technology. A high-performing culture has you know really good competitive pay rates. High performing culture has flexibility, you know, might have equity, you know, so you so you're absolutely right. Culture is not one thing. It is a collective of, of lots of different things. If you get it right, you know, you're, you're ahead of the game. Good stuff. Rob, tell me what else uh, jumps out in that magazine. I'm really proud of it. I've had some great feedback and thanks to everyone who's 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 given us that feedback. People seem to really like it. People like the format. There's some really great yeah. insight from a whole load of different companies who yeah, really added to the uh, credibility of the magazine on this occasion as well. What else should people be looking at it for? There, there was an, an interesting point is that, you know, this survey is, is you know, our most extensive survey we've ever done. But it's also of its time. You know, th this is a survey done in the middle of, you know, one of the most booming markets we've done. And I think one thing that really stood out for me is that 66% of candidates, so two thirds of candidates were receiving multiple offers. That's a huge statistic. Every time you're making an offer to a candidate, you're thinking, please accept, you know, as both a recruiter and, and probably both as, as an employer as well. But we have to be cognizant of the fact that everybody's competing for the same candidates. It's, it's not just us saying that in the marketplace. We have empirical data saying the vast majority of candidates, two-thirds, are getting multiple offers. And actually, there was a, a large swathe of people that was getting three-plus offers. Um, so that just really articulates how competitive the market is at the moment. And again, 
we, we have to urge caution. We have to urge responsibility. It's not just throwing money at it. It's about getting your employer value proposition right. It's about getting your culture right. It's about getting your sell to the candidates right. If it was as easy as just adding, you know, five, ten thousand pounds on to people, then that's unsustainable. But if you get that culture piece right, including the pay, including the technology, then you're giving yourself a much better chance of being the offer that's accepted and not one of the the two or three that gets rejected. So for me, that was that was real kind of concrete evidence of what we've we we felt over the last 18 months. Um mm. and, and these are people that you know weren't just placed by Harrington Star, but you know were were you know, apply direct and everything like that. But it was a really, really interesting, interesting statistic for me, that one. So what we're saying is get your hands on the financial technologist, read it, read up on it and uh, <laughs> think about how we can improve your business. Is that right? hundred <laughs> percent. I'm also really pleased to say that for the first time in a couple of years, we are uh, in print at the moment. So whilst this is a digital copy, uh, we also have hundreds of physical copies of the magazine being printed as we speak. So if you want to reach out and you're, you're keen to get a, a physical copy of the financial technologies for the first time in nearly three years, then give us a shout. We'll be happy to get them out there. You'll be seeing them at events all over the world. You'll be able to, to see them and we'll be sending them out to, to various stakeholders in the industry. So more than happy to get that out there as well. And you can have a physical copy in your hands very very soon i always think one of my favorite things is when one of my friends was uh, on a train recently and uh, say recently a couple of years ago and saw someone leafing through the financial technologist and he thought how funny it was that that's uh, that's traveled as far as it has but um really excited to get that back out in, in print as well rob let's get into the quick fire round tell me who your star of the week is this week in harrington star the star of the week for me is Charlie Todd, who works uh, on the infrastructure team. Charlie's been with the business for probably about 12 months now, maybe a bit under. For many reasons, he, he's a star of the week. He's had a phenomenal week, a phenomenal month, a phenomenal 90 days. And it actually ties into to probably a question that you, you might be asking, like, what, what's my lesson of the week? And the two are combined. You know, we, we got Charlie to give a bit of a talk to the team about what's changed, what he's done well. And in a nutshell, not to kind of paraphrase Charlie, but it was trust the process. Trust the process and the results will follow. And I think it's certainly it's a drum that you and I beat religiously. But dare I say, because we repeat it religiously, that there's an element of being detached from it. It just becomes words. So to have someone, you know, who's who's doing the day-to-day at the coalface, taking a step back and going, I trusted the process, and then all my success followed for me was was really rewarding a kind of massive advocacy of what we believe and what we teach and he, he's just been phenomenal you know he, he didn't have the best of starts he was working hard but results weren't going his way and then you know with a bit of tweaking from from yourself and you know and James his his manager he's massively turned the corner um mm. but just by doing little tweaks it's not that he sat there and really trebled his workload he's made a couple of simple tweaks focused in on a few things and the results have been spectacular so for me charlie todd star of the week and is is the man that, that gave the lesson of the week as far as i'm concerned there you go so he's doubled up well done charlie on that that one and, and absolutely agree look he's he's, he's uh, been phenomenal i'm really pleased that you mentioned him in, in dispatches there as well so now you've done the biggest lesson which is trust the process tell me the most exciting thing that you've seen this week not, not necessarily this week, but what, what I'm currently most excited about, and this sounds rather perverse, I, I suppose, is that the, the economic conditions are shifting. Um, and, and it's, again, something that we, we've spoken about. But we, we've been in this market where 
dare I say, and I've said it previously on the podcast, it's relatively easy. And I may have even repeated what I'm about to say, so, so forgive me. But we're, we're now going into a market where there will still be jobs, there will still be opportunities, but it won't be as easy. And that's where we can make a difference. That's where good recruiters and good recruitment companies and trusted advisors really come to the fore. If it's easy, everyone can do it. If it's a little mm. bit more challenging, this is where we really make our mark and this is where we can really differentiate ourselves. So I'm somewhat perversely excited about the, the challenges up ahead, but I think we'll, we'll come out even better than we went into it. Do you know, I, we hadn't spoken about this beforehand and uh, pre-planned this, but I, I taught, when I was uh, thinking about my most exciting thing of the week, it's I love this market. You know, I think you know, when it's uh, as it's been like it's been over the last you know, six to 12 months or so, it's, it's, it's great, but I think it can lead to complacency. And what I really love at the moment is is the ability to really be great. And, and I think, yeah, when you can maximise this and put all the work that we've been doing, that we've had various iterations of our business. I was writing a, an article on LinkedIn today, and I'm really proud of the, the journey that we've been on over the last couple of years to be a business that's a load better than I think it's ever been ever been before. This is where I think all of the work that we've been doing really comes to the you know, comes to the fore. So I echo that. I love this market, and that's you know that that challenge is something that really appeals to me because it's a great opportunity for everyone in the business to improve and and take their careers onto the next level rather than just sort of sit there and float along with with the tide this is a real time to uh part the season and, and get involved in that as well so i'm very excited about that too perfect um, who's your uh, who's your star of the week cool i mean this is this is nine impossible because it's been a great week actually and i think there's been some outstanding things that have been done so i'm, I'm going to mention four people <laughs> and again, I could probably go a little bit further than that, and I'll try and work out from that who I think the best of them has, has been. Uh, last week, I hands down voted for uh, Andy Nitek. A load of the work that he's done last week has come to fruition this week. He's got a few more that would, would make it possibly our best ever individual performance in a month. So shout out to him, but two in a row is greedy from Andy, so I'm sure he won't. As a grizzled campaigner that he is, I'm sure he won't mind it too much. His protege, Oli, Oli Silva, I'm absolutely delighted to uh, now see go through and, and graduate his progression through the business and his and his uh you know his source. Um so I couldn't have been more happy for him yesterday when he he made a placement that put him through into a, a full 360 consultant. So massive congratulations to him. Susie uh has come over with with alongside James Platt as well. She's put herself into the situation of never having done the job where there's three opportunities for her to place people within the space of a month and a half this week which I think is phenomenal. She's, you know, sort of gets on with it. I love her work ethic, her, her sort of focus that she's been showing. She gets on with it over in her corner of the office. And I'm really, really impressed with the way that she's attached, attached to the market. So I'm going to go with Susie, actually, having spoken it all through. But I also do want to want to do one last shout, shout out. I mentioned the grizzled campaigner earlier on in Andy Nitek. One of the other people who's who's been around for a long, long time in the business is Harry Sopal. Harry's uh, had a brilliant week. He's He's been working really, really hard. He's had, again, three placements that's, that's been made this week, but he's made a lot happen within all of that. And he's had a lot of moving balls with it and worked really, really hard. And when you've got someone there who can just grab it and take things further forward, you just know that there's trust and faith in, in that person to get going. So he's done some brilliant stuff with Ian off taking real responsibility for a few people on, on the team there as well. And just full kudos, I think Harry's been brilliant too. So very, very close second. But any four of those, I think, alongside Charlie, and alongside a load of other people actually in the business, can all have some props. It's been a good week. Not a bad problem to have if you're sport for choice. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
I guess you're asking for my biggest lesson as well, aren't you? I was literally about to ask you that very question, Toby. <laughs> what is your biggest lesson of the week? Biggest lesson for me is, uh, uh, as you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a reader of various different books. And at the moment, I'm reading uh, Sir Khaleesi's autobiography. Sir Khaleesi is the captain of the Springboks, the World Cup winning captain. And it's a fascinating, fascinating story. And one of just incredible resilience and incredible mentality and incredible work rate and everything in between it as well. But there's a, there's a he talks about a stage where Razi Erasmus comes in just before the World Cup, 18 months before the World Cup, to take the, take over the reins of the Springboks in a team that was in a bit of disarray and moving you know, moving backwards and losing in a country where the expectations around rugby are exceptionally high. And I think this is whilst it's a rugby lesson, I think it moves on to a number of different things alongside it as well. Razi Erasmus came in and said, let's make the main thing the main thing. And that's winning rugby, rugby games. And I think that lesson of make the main thing the main thing as you'll know, uh, with me as well, who, who loves an idea and loves running around various different things <laughs> and trying to be entrepreneurial and doing lots of entrepreneurial ideas is actually, if you think, right, does that feed the main ship is such an important aspect to, to look at. So a great lesson to be reminded of, of always make the main thing the main thing. Good lesson. Very good lesson. Thought you might like it. Well, Rob, it has been a pleasure. Thank you very much for uh, filling in for Nads, as, as always. Um, Thanks for having me. And- a wonderful show thank you all for listening we've enjoyed it if there's anything else you want us to add please do call in email send us a note we love doing this for you thank you so much for listening in thank you so much for passing the pod on thank you so much for ranking reviewing rating we love doing it thank you so much for listening we'll see you next week it's goodbye from me and goodbye from me